before we look at the sermon, a couple of announcements. Number one, I was intending to have um, like our address on the four-year table, and I can't seem to find any of the papers, and I didn't have enough time to copy any new ones. But though everyone is welcome to come to our house, 5 o'clock today. I think it's, the weather's holding off, so we're going to try and be able to meet um, for our potluck that we have. And if you want directions, come see me after services. I'll try and make copies and have it so that you have some directions um, for, for that. But we'd love for you to come and join us. The other thing that I want to um, say is, uh, I know I showed this. It's in the bulletin, but I, I love this photo so much of Mr. Jim, and I want you to see it. I know some of you got to see the small part of it in the bulletin, but this picture really typifies the relationship he had with the men and the women that are incarcerated that we'd go and share the gospel to. You, you see them, how much they love be, being around him and just epitomized his life. Surely we love you and I pray that we continue to be there for you um, and just love the, the life that you and Mr. Jim led together as husband and wife in the jails for, for decades. So very, very thankful for that. So, I've been preaching full-time for about 26 years now, and throughout every single year, and I mean, I'm, it's just uncanny how often this happens, I get questions um, by so many individuals about possibly being baptized a second time, and there are times when I'll say, absolutely, you need to be baptized, and others are like, well, Why? It's interesting because of the, the kinds of questions that are asked and the kinds of circumstances by which individuals um, come up to me with and express um, their views and their feelings about this whole subject matter. And what's interesting is in the last three weeks, I've been asked multiple times, so much so I thought, I've never done a sermon on just the subject of a second baptism. And of course, the reason why I've never given one is unlike this morning's Bible study uh, that we've had and other reasons why I didn't have uh, study in Song of Solomon. This particular one is because really other than one passage in the scripture, and that's not even a teaching, it's just a narrative, is that there's no teaching about a second baptism, right? So you'll have Acts 19, which is read for us just now, and it's just, here's what took place, right? Not a thus saith the Lord, here's what you need to do in this particular situation, because if that's the case, I don't know if anyone, anyone here been baptized with John's baptism? Yeah, see, I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. So we extrapolate from that, and we might have some, some teachings from it, but therein lies um, some assumptions that we will get into based upon the text there, and we'll have something to say about it. But I want us to, to note some of these questions. And this is one of the first that I remember getting as a young preacher in a number of years. I still get it today. Um, I was poured or sprinkled upon, or I was baptized as an infant. Do I need to be baptized again? Or maybe it's, you know, I didn't know what I was doing X number of years ago. Maybe it's last year, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I don't, in my reflecting upon that time, I don't know if I was really baptized for the right reason, if I had enough information, so on and so forth. Should I be baptized again? It may be, hey, I wanted to appease mom and dad. Mom and dad said I need to be baptized, so I did so, but it really wasn't my conviction when I look back upon that. Or, 
all my friends did it, right? So I know I was doing it for the right reason, but yet I kind of feel like I was doing it because everyone else was. And so you'll get all of these kinds of questions. How about, I just want to do it again, right? I don't, Kenny, I forgot her name. Every, every, I don't know, what, six, seven, eight baptisms? Miss Roseanne? Miss Roseanne, okay. In the jails, she always wanted to get baptized again. I just want to do it again. In fact, this picture is of this girl who was baptized two years ago, and this year she wanted to get baptized again. And so there's those that do that. Or some that says, I did it for all the right reasons, but I don't know if I really counted the cost of discipleship. And now I feel like I want to count that call. I feel like I'm at that point where I, I've got the right mindset. Do I need to be baptized again? These are legitimate questions that are asked over and over and over by so many individuals. Because, and, and usually when people are asking it's because they want to do what's right. I mean, why ask the question, right? If you, if you don't want to do what's right. I can't imagine someone saying, I just want to do it just because. Even those that want to be baptized the second, third, fourth time, there's a reason behind it. And so I thought, what a great opportunity for us to actually look at this question. The most recent came from within my household. And so, where is Carrie Lynn? Where are you, honey? She's hiding. Oh, there she Oh, on this side of the building. You moved. Okay. <laughs> there you are. I don't know where my children are. So, anyway... Well, glad you're here at services with us, dear. All right. So, you know, I've got questions, Dad. You know, and so if I were to be baptized, would I need to be baptized in the future? And why would that be the case or why not? I mean, questions that she's asking. And so I thought, what a great opportunity for us to actually look at this. And so the question is, is a second baptism needed? Right? There are many questions, many beliefs tied to this subject matter of baptism, and some of it gets controversial. I, I've heard individuals in, in writings, you hear about it in debates, on whether there is such a need for a second baptism, let alone the, the reason for why you're baptized and all the laundry list of associated discussions. And so what we're going to do is just, hey, let the scriptures actually teach us again. And for many of us, and I don't give too many sermons on baptism, probably been at least a year or two since the last sermon I've done. And, and the reason is because we had so much teaching so often that, that, and we read it in our Bible studies so often, it's very self-explanatory. Very simple, simple teachings. But great opportunity for us to go, go through this again. I want us to read Acts 19 again. Sometimes I think the way we look at scriptures... And it's a very strong, it's almost like not just a strong opinion, it's a reality. That some of us look at scriptures as if it is just simply reading a bunch of laws. Within a narrative, Johnny went to the store, we have to go to the store. God's word says so. I mean, that's the way some of us may read God's word. Rather than let the narrative be a narrative. I want you to look at this reading in Acts chapter 19. And see if there's a reason why the second baptism that, that these individuals had gone through was needed. Or even 
expressed by the apostle. So, backing up to chapter 18, Apollos has gone through this region. He has shared uh, the gospel message of Jesus Christ, although he only knew the baptism of John. Right? So fast forward then into chapter 19. It happened while Apollos, well, let's see, yeah, while Apollos um, was at Corinth after he had left, Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, where Apollos had been, that is. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So can you imagine the discussion that Paul would have is such where anyone who believed in Jesus Christ would receive the Holy Spirit. And from the day of Pentecost, these, these moments in which individuals would be filled with the Holy Spirit and were able to speak in tongues, they're able to, to do miraculous things especially when the apostles would lay hands on them because they believed in Jesus Christ and were baptized into Christ. And so this didn't happen. They did not know who the Holy Spirit was. And as a result, the apostle says to them, well, if that's the case, if you don't know about the Holy Spirit, into what then were you baptized? You believe in Jesus, but you don't know anything about this Holy Spirit. What then were you baptized into? And obviously their answer was into John's. When you go back into scripture and you read about John's baptism, you can read, right, in, in Matthew, you can read in other places about his baptism and what he was baptizing with. And he said, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath of God to come? All Jerusalem, all Judea was coming out to be baptized with John's baptism, which was a baptism of repentance because he's preparing the way of the Lord he's saying I want you guys to stop living under this Judaistic system not in that it was wrong for them to live under it but I'm wanting you to give your lives to God you're just going through the motions here and Jesus is going to teach us a way in which you have that relationship with God similar to what Mr. Henry was talking about this morning not just partaking of emblems but connecting a relationship with Jesus. And so in the same vein, that's what you had with John's baptism. It was a teaching of repenting. That's why people would come up to Jesus and ask him, you know, hey, I'm, um, I'm, I have this kind of vocation. What do I do? Well, just live this way. Well, what about me? Well, live this way. And it was a life of repentance, changing from the way they had been living to a way that would draw them near to God, not just through the law, if you will. And so he goes on, and after they tell him we were baptized into John's baptism, Paul says in verse 4, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him, that is on Jesus, who would come after him. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. This was their second baptism. That first one was in John's baptism of repentance. This one was in Christ that they would receive the Holy Spirit. And by receiving the Holy Spirit, in this particular vein, they would have the gifts regarding the Holy Spirit. So that's the connection that we get. 
Beyond this passage, there's actually no biblical teaching that addresses this second baptism, let alone a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or whatever else someone may want in the form of baptism. There are, however, principles. And if we are trying to follow the teachings of God's word, we look at these principles and we follow what is provided to us. And that's why when we go to passages like Romans chapter 10 and we read verse 17, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that's, that's what we have, right? We've got these principles that show us what was done, how it was done, why it was done, all these teachings, explicit teachings. And from that, we extrapolate and pass these teachings down through the generations and through the centuries. Well, notice one of them. When you go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, a passage many of us, right, in the body of Christ are familiar with, when in verse 37, after preaching God's word, thousands were asking the question, well, what then must we do with regard to their salvation? And Peter responds and says, repent in the name of Jesus Christ and be baptized, right? And so on and so forth. In the name of Jesus Christ. What's interesting about this phrase is in light of today's teachings that you get from various churches professing Christianity. Like I was going through um, the Catholic teaching and some of the laws that are written down for it. And you, you have to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in certain denominations, if you don't say those three names, the baptism is not legitimate. Ah. Now, in the Catholic Church, they'll say that if you baptize in another name, like in the name of Christ, it's, it's legitimate. How do they say it? It's acceptable, but, not, but it's also illicit. I'm thinking, how is that possible? Either it is or it isn't, right? But, but there are some, um, and I remember having a Bible study with a family that said, unless it's in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, right? Verse 19 and 20 is that teaching. It, unless it's in that very name, that baptism is not valid. And yet we've read a passage here in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, that is not in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And yet that's exactly what was accepted, right? But it's in the name of Jesus Christ. And the reason why it's in the name of Jesus, it's, it's his church. And when you're being baptized into Christ, you're being baptized into his body, into his church. So, very simple teaching. Nothing extraordinary to know about this, but it is in the name of Jesus Christ. It's not in the name of some church. It's not in the name of anything other than into Christ himself. And so, if you say in the, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, if you say in Christ, some would say in the name of Jesus. It's all the same thing. Right? But some of us, we get so rigid, it has to be one and not the others. We've got to stop and think about, look at all the places where people were baptized and how it was done. And you'll, you'll see it's the intent of being in Christ in his body. Well, the, the other thing. The teaching itself, when you go to um, Paul's letter to the church at Rome, in Romans chapter 6 is that this was an actual burial. And of course, for us, this is not, not earth-breaking news, earth-shattering. But you know, there are many with regard to pouring and sprinkling, which 
was not practiced in the first century church. I mean, explicitly, when you look at every time anyone was baptized and details are given, 100% of the time, you'll see a burial. One example is in Acts chapter 8, verse 36 to 39, where they go into the water and come up out of the water. And, of course, you heard the debates. Many of us have. Or we heard the teachings that that's the case. And the reason for that is because the teaching illustrates the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And when we are baptized, we are being baptized, putting to death the old man of sin, and rising up out of that water to walk in newness of life. That's the picture. Hence, that's the teaching. And centuries later, that's what we teach. The same thing that you can read in scriptures. And so individuals that we see um, coming to the Lord after believing in Jesus as the Christ, that's what happens. They were always immersed. In fact, that's part of the reason why we even have debates, right? Because when we go back to the old King James translation, you didn't have the word immersion. You had the word baptism. Baptism is a transliterated word from the Greek word, which means immerse, right? Baptizo. So... Again, it's not having to be a big deal situation, but it's become one because of poor translation and because of traditions, right? But when we go back to Scripture, the teaching is we are buried with Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 4, buried with Christ in baptism. Or how about this? It is for the forgiveness of sins, right? So going back to Acts chapter 2, right? Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And others will say it's for the forgiveness of sins. In fact, in the um, great commission of Jesus, before he ascends back into heaven after having been resurrected from the dead, Luke recounts the whole purpose of this commission, if you will, to go out and spread the gospel. I want you to go to Luke 24. This passage is not read anywhere near as much as it is of Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, but every bit as important. In verse 46 and verse 47, Jesus said to his disciples, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Fundamental Christianity. And verse 47 that repentance, which we talked about, and remission of sins be preached. The forgiveness of sins is preached as the good news. And so he says, should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So this forgiveness of sins is the whole reason why when you have teachings like being baptized to have your sins washed away, that's the picture of the remission of sins. The removal of, 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 of filth is not the main import. It's the answer of a good conscience. When those sins are washed away, you've got a clean and clear conscience between you and God. That you are one with him and you have fellowship with him. And so when you see this putting to death the man of sin and that your new resurrected life is found to be walking in harmony with him, that is where you have the remission of sins, right? So there's a lot of passages in the book of Acts and a lot of teachings in the letters of the New Testament that teach us principles about what was done in the first century. That's what we do. 
Now notice, I chose my words very carefully. I did not say there were laws. There's not like a rule number one to become a Christian. We're extrapolating from what was taking place in the first century in biblical narrative. And we're following it. That's what we're doing. Okay? We didn't have to come up with rules to show us. They're right there in the pages. You want to follow by faith what they did? Follow by faith what they did. Don't deviate. Very simple. So, that's what you have. Now, here's what wraps everything together, and then we'll have some final, final thoughts. In Acts chapter 8, when um, Philip is with this man who believes in Jesus Christ, this, this person is on his way back home, and he's been reading in the scriptures, and Philip has been preaching to him the word of God, he comes to believe that Jesus is the Christ. And the eunuch says, see, here's water. What's stopping me? What's hindering me? What's slowing me down from being baptized? He says, well, if you believe with all your heart, you may. If you believe. Now think about this. There's ramifications to this. If faith comes by hearing by the word of God, if belief is what's necessary, a faith of uh, Faith saving or saving faith belief, if you will, is what allows for a person who's going to be baptized in a Christ. What of a person who doesn't know any better? Right? Those are obvious questions that are asked. You ask, you know, do you have anyone here less than a year old? Any, any children, babies in here? Well, I, know, I see Watts of here. How? So, no belief system yet. All you have. At the very best is cooing going on right now. And it's so sweet to hear that. So what happens with tradition over times is we as parents who believe in Jesus Christ and we as parents who do not want our babies to be lost because of sin, we baptize them. And notice I'm using the word very generically, not biblically. We baptize them. I was when I was just an infant. The, the priest had poured or sprinkled. I don't remember because I didn't ask mom and dad, but I was poured or sprinkled upon as a babe. But I was never asked, and if I was asked, I never answered. And if I answered, it was not anything in English. I mean, and I'm not being silly about it. I'm just saying this is what the actual reality was, and I, I still see it today. Whereupon a, a babe is in reference to their their soul being baptized, but there is no belief system, okay? And that's why you never read of an infant in Scripture being baptized. If we, had, if we could read of Scripture or read of teaching in Scripture, even if not an illustration, a teaching of babes being baptized, by all means, I'd do it to all my children if that were the case. And so we don't see that because you see a belief system that someone's going to confess Jesus as the Christ that a babe cannot do, all right? And not just babes, there are going to be individuals that may not have the capacity because God didn't give them that capacity to understand. So again, there are extrapolations that we take from the text, principles that we get from the text. So going back to the question, why should or shouldn't you be baptized? I mean, that's the question, right? 
to be or not to be a second time. One of the first times I just began preaching, there was, um, well, little background, kind of funny. I like sh- sharing this story. I, I don't know why I like sharing the story. It doesn't mean anything now. But so before I got married, I wrote letters around the country looking for a wife. Yeah, no one does that in 1993 at this time or 1992 or 91. I forget anyway. But, but I remember writing letters and it scared all the girls away, all of them except for one. And she was, and it, actually, Julie knows who I'm speaking of. She was from Red Bay or Red Bud, Alabama, wherever. She was from somewhere around that area. And so go on a date with her, we gospel meeting date. And then from there, going to Birmingham, Alabama to meet another girl from another preacher and his wife that's trying to set me up because I'm looking for a wife. So this girl I meet, she was brought up in a quote-unquote Christian household, but she was not living as a young lady, a life that is worthy of the gospel, her words. And, and I remember us going on our date, went to Six Flags um, with the preacher and his wife and their children, and, and I know we're coming back home later that night, I was talking to her about spiritual things, and she's wanted to get baptized a second time. That's the first time I was dealing with it. And I was curious, because I thought, why? In, in my mind, the reasons why she gave should have been the reasons why I should have been baptized a second time then. Like, I was so young. I didn't know what I really was doing. And I was thinking, McKenna at five knows more than I did at 20 years old about baptism. Did you hear what I just said? At five years old, she knows very little. But she knows more than I did. On the day that I was told I need to be baptized for the forgiveness of my sins, I could tell you what was told me. I couldn't tell you what that meant. You know what I was doing? I have no idea what's going on. i got to be baptized. That was Mitch Davis. So should I have been baptized a second time? If this girl that is asking me to baptize her is doing it, shouldn't I? These are the questions that are very legitimately asked. And so... What, what did I do? I appeased her conscience. Her conscience demanded that she be baptized a second time. She was baptized the, the right way, the right reasons and all that, but in her mind, it was not good enough. So here's the thing about, here's my teaching, and the reason why I say my teaching is because there is no actual biblical teaching that says, here's what you do in this case for a second baptism, okay? If you've mirrored the teaching found in Scripture, there's no need, Okay? Not need from a standpoint that you've already been baptized. And it is according to all the things that we just looked at in Scripture. Okay? But just because there is no need doesn't mean you cannot be. Because again, there's no teaching. To do it is not sinful, to do it is not wrong. Some would say, yeah, but you know, that was peer pressure. That was not for the remission of sins. It was because of peer pressure. Let me ask you this. These are all assumptions on both sides of, the, of this equation. Have you ever been peer pressured into doing what's right? I only did it because everyone else did what was right. Well, then, that was not the good reason. That's not a biblical reason. You should go back and do the right reason. They did it for the right reason even if they didn't do it for the right reason. 
See, confusing, isn't it? But the point is, there are people that actually do things out of peer pressure. That's good. Not always bad. Right? And in some cases, you have people like on the day of Pentecost, 3,000. Hey, my husband was baptized. I guess I, okay, me too. I cannot, there's no way for us to assume what took place in 3,000 hearts. But I would be strongly opined or opinionated in saying it wouldn't surprise me if individuals went along with the other individuals that were baptized in their own family. I could see. First century, among adults, let alone their children. No different than, I did not tell you this because it's kind of awkward. But when I was at camp two, three weeks ago, and I told you there were 12 that were baptized, I did not give you all the information. Because one of the baptism days, which was the second... I showed you the pictures of the photo of the five that were baptized that day. The next day, seven more were baptized, all from Carly's cabin. All young girls. Young were, I'm going, do you understand what you're listening? And I'm thinking of this sermon, by the way, as I'm going through talking to these, these girls. And you could hear when one's, oh, I want to do it too. Well, okay, now remember why we're doing this. And, and you don't know what's going on in their minds. What I can tell you is this. They all wanted to do what's right, even if the peer pressure was there. What do you do? Imagine if I did the other things. No, you can't. You're not doing it for the right reason. Imagine if I took the, the place of God and says, you cannot because I don't think you are old enough. I don't think you know enough. I don't think, and just fill in the blank. And the reason why I put it in that vernacular is this. This happened, I know, with one of the elders in Georgia. He was, at the point, was raising his children to the best of his and his wife's ability to raise his children to love God. And one of the sons, at a young age, wanted to be baptized, and he says, I don't think you're ready. I've had my talk with you, and I'm determined. And, and he was doing it with the best intentions, godly intentions. And then one day... He thought, okay, now I think in my mind you're ready. And the son didn't want to get baptized. And year after year after year after year passed. His son was still not baptized. Until one day he came to me heartbroken. What do I do with my son? I feel so bad. He was, he was wanting to be baptized when he was younger. I didn't think he was ready. And now I want him to be baptized and he's not wanting to get baptized. Thanks be to God, I think he was around 21, 22 years old, and he was baptized into Christ. But the point being is, who are we to make the decision whether you can or cannot? When the Bible itself is, in fact, silent. And we have the mantra to be silent where the scriptures are silent, right? That's our mantra. But yet, somehow we come to strong opinions as if they are equated with the teachings of God about that. And so, in my opinion, if you've mirrored the teachings found in Scripture, there's no need. But if you still want to be, you feel like you need to be because of the reasons, all the reasons that we discussed and many more that has not even been discussed this morning, then go ahead and get baptized. 
appease your conscience to be clear with the God that you are trying to humble yourself in service to. If it's not mirrored according to Scripture, that's a whole other ballgame. You need to be baptized. Kind of like if we can extrapolate from Acts chapter 19. Into what then were you baptized? You know, does it mirror that Scripture? Does it mirror the passages that we see in the, in the Scriptures? And so that's what I'm talking about when we're talking about being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins as you are buried with him that you may walk in newness of life. That's what we're talking about. All right? So that said, when you come through scriptures like this and you have questions maybe about your own walk with God, think about it. On the day of Pentecost, that was the first time they heard the gospel message. It didn't like sink in for years and go, oh, now, Peter, I get all the depth of what you were talking about with the history of Israel and why Jesus died on the cross. I get, after I read your letter to the church at Rome that I happen to have a copy of, I now get the depth of this burial. You know, from that vantage point, what do we do to be saved? They heard repent. They heard be baptized. That's what they did. They didn't get, okay, we got it the right reason for the right... We were told to be baptized. It was commanded of us, just as Jesus told them to go and make disciples, baptizing them. That's what happened to us. Some of them to stay away from hell. Some of them to have a relationship with God. I've mentioned to you publicly, my reason for being baptized was to stay away from hell. Not because I wanted a relationship with God. I honestly didn't even know God. I began to know him after I was baptized into Christ. So if we we're talking about a second baptism, you may be here, and this may have been on your heart at some point. In fact, some of you may have been baptized a second time. I wouldn't be surprised if there are a number of hands that would be raised right now because you want to do what's right. That's good. Some may have been baptized a third time in all genuine seriousness because after that second time you thought you were doing what's right, now you really know what you're doing. And when someone comes and asks, you know, hey, I, I now believe I know all the reasons why to be baptized, so on and so forth. I'm thinking, didn't you know it the first time? You just knew it as, as a person where you are in your life. In my case, as a 20-year-old not knowing who Jesus Christ was at all, it was at that minuscule level. But, brother, I'm telling you here and now, it was every bit as good as it was on the day of Pentecost. So I know in my heart... I feel good. I won't need to be baptized a second time. It was done as taught in Scripture. Could I have taught you that on that very first day? No way. But I look back and I was doing the will of God. If you're here this morning and your teaching of baptism doesn't mirror Scripture, really let it sink in. And if you're wanting to be buried with Christ the way in the first century it was done... The water's ready. If you have been buried with Christ, according to the teachings that we saw in Scripture, according to the, the narratives that you read of in Scripture, by all means, if you're questioning it, come talk to me. Come talk to the elders. Come talk to your brothers or sisters in Christ who have gone through this. Seek encouragement. Seek counsel. But realize 
in my mind, if you've done the teachings of God, in my opinion, you're good. But if you still want, then do it. Appease your conscience. It's not going to be a harm to you for it. I hope that helps. I hope this teaching is something I've never given a sermon on second baptism before, but I hope this teaching helps. Now, if you're here this morning and you're subject to that gospel invitation, by all means, take advantage of it. This is not some formal ceremonial thing. This is a relationship between you and God through the blood of Jesus. And we want to be witness to a beautiful day where you walk in newness of life. And if you need to return to the Lord, by all means, we'll be happy to pray for you. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day.